0: Hello, this is Joe Peters with Coldwell Banker, and I'm about to interview Al War, W-A-R-R, who is a writer for NJ.com and The Hunter and Democrat. It looks like you're in the middle of a big change in real estate, Joe. I think think we are, and that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, What we're seeing is the people from New York coming to the West— and they're not just from New York City, from the New York area, people that are in Bay Area and Jersey. People from Nassau, that's on the other side of the city. We have people coming to the West. And I think the increase in sales that we've seen over the last two to three months has been mostly from that, not so much from New Jersey people just buying another house, because it's still pretty uncertain in New Jersey. We got hit hard. We got hit early and our employment is just it's trailing the nation by about a month, but we don't have as many people back. If the nation has forty nine percent of the workforce back, New Jersey only has maybe forty two percent of them back, but by the end of the month the nation will probably have fifty four, New Jersey will have forty nine. So we're trailing them about a month behind. So what happens is you put a house on a market that's under 500000 it's probably going to sell a day. It comes on with multiple offers above asking. It's definitely a seller's market. If you want to put your house on a market and it's over a million, you're probably used to waiting eight or nine months to sell it. It's probably going to sell in a month or two because those are selling as well. And if you put your house on a market that's over a million, that used to get soft really quick, even over in Somerset County and the higher rent districts like Warren and Watchung and the Hills. Um, It used to take eight or nine months to sell. Now it's taking two or three. So, there's a market all the way across as a matter of fact, one of the fastest moving segments is our over a million segment because the people that are coming in from New York in a lot of cases can buy for cash and don't have to sell what they live in today in order to buy it yeah so yeah. it's a, it's a they, great, it's a great market for the sellers. It's not a great market for the buyers
1: for the buyer, yeah, are you getting multiple offers on places? Yes,
0: we're getting a lot of multiple offers especially in the uh the first and second time buyer market. And the first time buyer uh-huh. market is usually between 175 and 300 and the second time is between 300 and 500. Those are our hot markets. There's just no inventory whatsoever there unless it's overpriced or beat up or something. But the the next market up, which would be the 500s and 600s, those are typically where people transfer in and transfer out. Those markets are very active. And the markets above that, which would be the 7 and up, are pretty active. So they used to in Hunterdon County die off at seven hundred thousand. That's not the case anymore. And in Somerset County, it used to die off at about a million one, a million two. That's not the case anymore. The market is alive at all levels, and we don't have enough inventory. And the biggest issue we have is there's no inventory coming. Yeah, no inventory. Yes, we, we, we we have a reluctance to put houses on the market because they don't want people in their house. So we do more. I just did one two hours ago. We do a virtual walkthrough of the inside and the outside of the house on video, and we have people yeah. look at that before they come to the house. And when they come to the house, it's under the presumption that if they like it in person, they're going to make an offer. <laughs>
2: do
1: you so get offers people- from just Do you get offers from just the virtual showing, or do they actually come to the house? We we
0: do get a few, but very few from the virtual showing. Most people, it's like uh-huh. a pair of shoes. You're going to try them on first, and if it's a million yeah, dollar yeah. pair of shoes, you're, you're definitely going to try them on first.
1: You're going to so, you, you want to go in and see
0: the place, walk
1: walk through it. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So the buyers are having a difficult time of it. Um, and they're getting prepared. I mean what we try to do with buyers is get them underwritten so that it's you see this there's a silly commercial on TV I won't mention a company's name but they say oh I've got this kind of mortgage I can compete with cash. No, you can't compete with cash. Cash is king and you cannot with a mortgage offer compete with a cash offer. The cash does not have A mortgage to get. is getting harder to get. In some instances, it depends if you're in a sector where, um, let's say, you're, you're in a working sector like entertainment, it may be okay. harder to get a mortgage than a working sector such as technology. Because technology, entertainment. yeah, yeah. Yeah, some have fared worse. Um, The other thing that happened that didn't help the people looking for mortgages was the mortgage forbearance program. This program, which was touted as a great idea, will just not, you don't have to pay your mortgage for three months. Well, it affects your credit, and it doesn't mean you don't have to pay that back. You just don't have to pay it for the next three months. You either have to pay it all back at the end of three months or refinance your property as one big new mortgage. But if people don't pay it back, well, then it affects their credit. Sure. And the fact that you went through a mortgage forbearance may mean that it will take you six months of solid employment again before you can get a mortgage. Ah, okay. Okay. So, yeah, it does. The answer is it does, uh, but it's we're in a situation, we're at a, we're at a crossroads, I think, of, yeah, the good news is we're putting people back to work at a record number, but the record number is less and less each month. It's going down, not up. And yeah. we've gotten to the point where we put the easy people back to work and the really tough ones to get back to work, and some for some of them there is no more work are tough, and you get back to that ALICE situation, 40% of our population are what we we describe as ALICE, which is asset-limited, income-constrained but working, and these are typically the people who are in retail or um, in the gas stations or in a service industry job making lower income but working, and probably are those people that aren't gonna buy a house anyway. They're the ones that are going to have, I think, the tougher time of it because they have to go to work, as I described earlier, in order to earn money. They can't pump gas from home. They can't ring groceries from home. So they've got to get up and go to work. And in some instances where they got up and went to work, the people aren't there anymore. The people, let's say, if you're not looking at Hunterdon County and, and Somerset County, you're looking at Bergen County. Well. They used to get up and go to work to Bergen County, but a lot of people commuted community, commuted over to Bergen County to work in the upper positions sure. and are not there anymore. So there may be less work where their work once was
1: yeah, because we've yeah, yeah.
0: redistributed where people are working. And the more educated you are, the easier it is to work from home. And it's, I think the way it's going to be. So another question then comes will you go back to work eventually? And the answer is, I think you're going to have to physically go someplace eventually some of the time just to preserve the culture of the company. But I think the stuff that can be done at home that can be done without other collaborative face-to-face time being required will be kept being done at home. It just It's cheaper for the company to have their people at home. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, talk nowadays that uh,
1: people working at home has changed the way companies look at their employees.
0: That's for sure. Um, I, I think the example think I gave this week in another conversation is we have a virtual company here that I met at the Hack 100 in the group, and this guy's got 43 people. And all 43 people work remote. He has a remote company. This was before COVID. He said, I uh-huh. hired them differently. I screened them differently. I actually made their first two weeks on the job be the last two weeks of the screening process. And there was no job guarantee that I went through two weeks of successful remote. He says, plus, I've got to bring them all together every six or eight weeks so we can have the culture. Uh, but yeah. I have no yeah. central office. Well, that's a great thought process, and I think we'll see more and more of it, but it's not the norm I yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's true. More and more companies are coming to the realization that they don't need big office space in Manhattan or North Jersey, that many, if not all, of their employees can work remotely. Right, right. Yeah. So you said... Uh, you said an interesting thing, and in, I was reading uh, one of your blogs, and you'd said that uh, uh, current month supply is uh, is about two months, and you're running into people who are reluctant to sell.
0: What What is that all Relu- about? They're reluctant to sell because they don't want the people to come into their house. So even with that the face of real estate has changed to where the people uh, that will look at your house will first look at it virtually, and if they like what they see and eliminate all the ones they don't want to see, they'll make one trip out to look at the last two or three in person and make up their mind. But the and people make an offer right on the spot.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Right, right. Because if it's a clean house, it's probably not going to be there tomorrow anyway. Uh, yeah, the other yeah. thing is... I know we're we're both in our 70s, and we had this rule that nobody comes in the house. We didn't even let the kids come in the house. Okay, my kids are all adults, so it's a little easier than if they're 12. But in effect, finally the hot water heater broke, and I had to let a contractor in. And he came in with a mask, and they were courteous and whatever, and they did a great job. I was sort of lucky to find him so quick because we were about hot water, but more than that. The water heater was leaking all over the floor, which is a finished basement. Um, oh, that's, that's no good. He was, he, no, but he was the first guy in like five months that came into my house. So I know what people are feeling. They're saying, I I got taking care of myself is the most important thing I can do, and I'm going to do that as best as possible to do that. But sure. in effect... Sooner or later, the wall breaks down. And now, since that first contractor has been in, and he did some work on another small plumbing project while he was here, I had to get a guy come in and plaster a hole that that other project made in the ceiling. And I've had another contractor in the house, but I'm still very fine. You know, you got to wear masks. You got to. I don't get any too close to them. And um, sure, sure. You keep putting your, you know, a defense is like a brick wall. You build it one brick at a time, and you take it down one brick at a time. And we're taking our defenses down one brick at a time. And then you hear the president and his wife has got it. It's like, whoa, let's put some bricks back up. Um, That's scary. Or you hear that Ocean County is almost at an all-time high. It's a couple more bricks on the wall. I, I think if we ever went to the point where we had to shut the state down again, it will be really, really difficult to get it opened up a second time. I think it's a dangerous I,
1: thought I process. I think if you shut the state down again, it will be the end of New Jersey. You can't. I think so uh, too. You can't shut down a, an economy that depends on consumerism. Right. It doesn't work. And then, I don't understand why they don't understand that in Trenton, but that's another conversation.
0: It's a whole political conversation. I I think if you take a look at it, this is an amazing statistic. Of the people that are unemployed yet, I think the number is somewhere about 10 million over where we were when this started in March. Five million of them are in California. Fifty percent of the unemployed in the country are in the state of California, and they're unemployed because the state won't open. And the state won't open, as one woman said, until the election's over. So you figure it out.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's political. It's all political. Yeah. I'm afraid I uh I have refused over the years. I had an unfortunate experience myself with a flu shot many many years ago. It's been 40 years right. and uh ended up in the hospital for 3 days uh, totally out of it. Anyway, the doctor told me at the time, of course that was long ago and and much medicine has been developed since but doctor told me at the time don't ever take a, another flu shot because you're overly sensitive to this and you have a good uh, immune response but uh, your body is really uh, going through hell here on uh, on that experience so I have never taken another flu shot I have had the flu a couple of times in 40 years but I simply go to bed, make a big pot of chicken soup, and take my vitamins. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I recover. And I'm 84 years old, so uh, wow, it, uh, awesome it has done something for me, I think. I, I think we've made too much of this. I, I really think that uh, people who have underlying conditions, serious, uh, should be careful, and, and we should protect right. them. But everybody else... You know, people under 50 or whatever, and especially children, they seem to be not immune, but they seem to be able to recover quickly from uh, from very serious uh, things. If you look at the death count, uh, if you can find a, a true one, then uh, I don't think this pandemic, as everybody has uh, portrayed it, is as serious as we have taken it. I think we've blown it out of proportion, frankly. But that's just my, my opinion.
0: <laughs> right, And, and you know, I, I have lots of opinions, guy. Joe. <laughs> I hear you. So, so talk to me a little about Pennsylvania versus New Jersey. How has the Pennsylvanian re- economy, you're just across the river in eastern from Phillipsburg, but it's a different well, economy. I tell you, I, I, I
1: know uh, next to nothing about Eastern or Pennsylvania. I live right on the Delaware, and uh, all of my activity is in uh, Hunterdon County or the surrounding area. And so I know a lot about that. I, I checked the other day, and I, I'm in my 20th year of writing this weekly column And over the years, I've talked to literally thousands of business people and others in Hunterdon County and beyond. Right. But uh, I moved here from New Jersey, so I I know nothing about Pennsylvania.
0: Interesting. Other than they have low taxes. (laughs) Yeah, and that's probably the reason you moved there. So, Al, what is the name of the column you write?
1: Well, it has a different title every week, and it's just a byline. Okay in the uh, Democrat, it comes out on Thursday, but they picked it up in NJ.com, and they publish it every week, and they usually leave it up for two weeks. So it's in there now. You just have to look for my byline.
0: And your byline is? Al War. Al War, with two R's, A-L-W-A-R-R. Tell us a little about your history, Al. Al. How long have you been writing for the Democrat, oh,
1: I've, and what did you do before that? Oh, I've been uh, writing all my life since high school, but I have uh, had uh, a very eventful life. I, when I left college, I went into uh, aerospace and, and was hired by United Technologies in California and and was on uh, in the Bay Area there uh, mm-hmm. outside San Francisco for 10 years. And then... Uh, uh, City service Oil, the oil company, hired me to computerize their management control system for their Princeton labs and move me across country and the family and so forth so that 's how I got here wow. but uh that that lasted about five years and then I went into business i quit i just i told them goodbye, good luck, corporate life is not for me. I want my own business. so I started a business in Manhattan and ran it for twenty years. Before selling out and uh, and retiring, and I I uh, I then uh, started the Business Owners Institute in Bridgewater, Bridgewater. Uh, and ran that for ten years, and then retired again. Uh, <laughs> you know, retirement for me lasts about three days. I have to stay yeah. busy. So I started writing for the Democrat and and the Eastern Paper and a couple of magazines. I don't know all over, and I've been writing ever
0: since. Wonderful, wonderful. It's a, I mean, so many people know of you and and whatever, but I didn't realize you had that background out of aerospace and uh, technology. So, yeah, what do you think I, I originally
1: I'm I'm a chemist originally and uh, spent ten years there. And and uh, while I was at United Technology, of course, we we did the boosters for the Titan rocket that sent the man to the moon. And so I got introduced to computers and computing, and and from there, the rest of it is history.
0: Super. So I guess I'm looking forward, saying where are we at? I think we're at the point, once the election is over, um, a lot of the, I don't know what the name for it is, I almost used the curse word, but a lot of what we're seeing today should stop. I don't think it's going to, because I think this is a new way of life. Um, if, yeah. if the current guy that's in wins, the other party will be twice as bad. And if the other guy wins, the current party will uh, do the same in Probably reverse. Probably be twice as bad, too. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I don't think it gets better. I think it gets worse. So I think what you need to do is maybe absorb your daily quotient of it, which may be a half hour or an hour, and just shut the box off and don't look at, at it again until yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. From that viewpoint, I don't see it changing much. I think the one party will have a different outlook than the other. But I'm looking at it from our lifestyle, and our lifestyle is based on several things. One is the able to have a job. And the other one is to be able to, from that job, afford a house to support the way you want to live. And in my case, my kids are grown and gone. So I like a roomy house. I couldn't live in a 1,200-square-foot house. But a a 2,000-plus townhouse fits us just nice at this point in time. And yeah, yeah. I'm not willing to trade that. Although I think eventually we'll get down to a one-floor unit because we're we're getting older, and it'll be easier not to go on up and down the stairs ten times a day. But that's good exercise for now. So it is.
1: Yeah, my, my house is three stories, and I'm up and down all the time. At, at seventy, at eighty-four. Yeah, at eighty-four, well, you got to keep active, Joe. You must keep you. active. I was talking to a lady. Uh, Yesterday I was interviewing her for a column coming up for next week, and she was uh, she sounded like she was out of breath. And I said, "What's wrong?" And she says, "Oh, I've been running. (laughs) I'm I'm 65, and I I still run my my uh, mile a day. And uh, and and to hell with the virus." (laughs) She was funny. (laughs) A good attitude, though. You got to keep active. You must the keep active. People in the stairs,
0: wolves? going up and down Survive. stairs is good exercise. I I agree, except when I do it for the last time of the day around nine thirty when I go to bed. It's like oh why am I going oh, up and down these stairs? But it is great exercise. I I think jobs is a number one and we've always talked about that if we can attract the right jobs and then housing right. and then right. an environment to live in that has interesting culture and things to do and places to eat i i think we're seeing the jobs come back to our general area that over the last 20 years sort of migrated towards new york city and if they weren't in new york they were in areas they could quickly commute into new york Um, that sort of reversed, and it was starting to reverse all on its own as people grew tired of their 800-square-foot lifestyle. And as the millennials got to the childbearing age, they didn't want to live in a city. They wanted a backyard. So we were starting to see it come back, and now, even though most of it's New Yorkers themselves, not the people moving towards New York, I think there's also... A good portion of it are people that are in New Jersey right next to New York. They're starting to come back to the area, and I think less people are going to move towards New York. Although, as New York City corrects itself, which I hope it can, I think it's easy to forget today, 10 years from now, and to move back towards where it's happening. Um, sure. I think some people forget. I mean, living in an apartment house that has 500 other units... Uh, even if it's a dozen of our units, it's like being on an airplane if a dozen of our people. If one of them has a cold, you're a pretty good chance you're going to have that cold by the time you get to wherever you're going. Um, yeah. People have rethought life and what used to be bedroom communities where you got up each morning and went somewhere else to work and then you came home each night and came back to the family and maybe the wife did it as well. Well, the bedroom communities are now live, work, play, and learn communities. And mm-hmm. yeah. they're self-sufficient. The houses that people are looking for just six months ago are totally different than to what they're looking for today. They wanted open floor plans, and they didn't want a lot of yard. Now they want compartmentalization, a place to play, a place to work, a place to learn, and they want a big backyard of a swimming pool if possible. couldn't get swimming pools away six months ago. So... Yeah lifestyle needs have changed and the wants and the houses have changed. So a lot of times I'll walk into somebody's house thinking they're, they're thinking they want to sell it and they want my opinion. I'll say, you got to maybe show how this can be used as a study area and this is a play area so people can see its use rather than just walking through a large expanse of open area. Yeah. Turns out the houses of the 70s, which were more compartmentalized, are now more sought after because they were boxy colonials for the most part. and Everybody had their own room. You couldn't hear the TV in the next room. So that's what people are going for nowadays? Uh, more compartmentalization, the better, because mom and dad yeah. each need a place to work. The kids each need a place to study and maybe two or three kids. Uh, I had five. I can't think what I would have went through with all five. And you need a place to eat. You need a, a place to exercise. You need a place to have a community room so the whole family can watch TV or whatever the exercise is. And you need a yard. That's what people are looking for. And that's not well, those necessarily days, what we have. Those
1: are, you just named basic things. So that's not changing is what you're saying. That's not changing. Well, What's
0: changing is the way that they access it. Yes. Yes. So they, they wanted open floor plans where you could, from the kitchen, see the dining room, the living room, the playroom. It's, it was almost like a uncompartmentalized first floor. The second floor is still bedrooms, okay? Um, yeah, 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 If you finish the rec room, it may be one big room, but maybe today it's more two or three areas. I saw one woman on TV where she had gotten a partitioned sit down and study, just like you would be if you were a um, customer service agent. You had a little two foot, two and a half foot partition either side of you, and all you saw was what you saw on your phone and your your your, your, um, computer screen. Um, yeah. They're getting the kids to do that to study because they can't afford to have four or five different study areas. They got one study area that everybody can share. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So, what jobs do are uh,
1: one. change change the subject a minute? What do you see in interest rates?
0: Where's that headed? I'm talking about five years downstream now. I haven't looked at it that far out. I mean, we're definitely in great shape. That's what's driving the market right now. We're down yeah, as low yeah. as 2.5%. As a matter of fact, if you're a, yeah. a police or fireman, you can get a 1.55% mortgage right now.
1: So yeah.
0: you're, the interest rates today are fully 10%. You can afford 10% more house than just a year ago. And that's what's yeah, driving yeah. the the buying frenzy. What's holding the buying frenzy back is we're not building anything new at the low end. As a matter of fact, we're probably not building anything new at all right now. And what we are building is at the high end, which has been a problem for a while because we sort of put zoning in place so that we didn't have so many kids coming into the school that you had to have an acre, two acres, three acres. Depending on the town you're in, you had to be 3,000, 4,000 square feet. People aren't necessarily looking for that. Uh, they're they're looking for um, not what we had when we were in the 50s and 60s, which are 50 by 100 lots, but they're not necessarily looking for great big lots of great big houses. They're looking for functional houses with, Function, with yeah. good play areas in the backyard. Yeah, You don't see interest rates increasing then in the coming two, three, four, five years? have not even heard any discussion about it so i don't want to speculate it um it usually goes up as inflation goes up um we haven't seen inflation going up but uh the bond market is typically going to drive um if the stock market goes up interest rates typically go up if the stock market comes down they follow each other, but money moves then from the stock market to the bond market so the bond to the market, bond
1: market yeah, I've noticed an increase in the bond market, the ten and thirty year yield recently, which uh has gone up a significant amount. I don't know if that's temporary or if it's election oriented who knows, but uh right. it seems to be making a move now that it that it had not moved had not changed in some time. Anyway, I don't want to get lost in a discussion of interest rates. I don't know that much about it myself.
0: So, if, if jobs is the number one thing, and it's easier because employment will follow jobs. In other yeah, words, yeah. employment, jobs will follow where people are living. And if, if the people that are living in our general areas of Hunterdon and Somerset County are typically um, maybe a step above what you might find in some of the counties closer to New York. There should be more and more ability to work remotely because of your higher education and, and skill level.
1: Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Then the question comes, okay, I can afford to live there. To some extent, I am living there, even if I'm renting. What about housing? How do I get housing? And we're not really building entry-level housing. I'm talking above the affordable housing level. We're building yeah, yeah. mostly multifamilies. What are you seeing multi- in that area? Nothing. I haven't seen in Hunterdon or Somerset County any starter housing in the last 15 years, minimal starter housing.
1: If, I wonder if next year we'll see some housing
0: starts. We're going to have to change zoning in order to do it. I mean, what we are yeah. seeing as far as housing in Somerset County over towards the, um, the Rutgers area, we're seeing a lot of developments over there, but big developments, developments in a 700,000-up area. And it's oh, okay. being fed most mostly, I would say it's in the areas of eastern Hillsboro and uh, just below Hillsboro is Monroe, that general area. And it's being fed out of either Princeton or, or the Rutgers area. Um, mm-hmm. But... As you get and housing usually moves from the east to the west. As you get over into Hunterdon County, the only building I see, other than maybe some one-offs or even maybe a little development of four houses, they're always in the eight or nine hundred thousand dollar range. They're not down in the three or four hundred thousand dollar ranges, which is where we need them. Yeah, yeah, and
1: it's, yeah.
0: And it's not in the numbers that we see over in Somerset County, but hopefully it will move east. Uh, the West, I should say. So it's going to move from the East to the West. And the other thing we're seeing is more multi-family units going up. I'm in in 100 and alone. I can see one, two, three, four, five, six different multi-unit. I mean, it's one going to go up in downtown Clinton. It's going to have like a hundred plus units, rentals only. Huh. And it. It will be where the old A&P was, and it will run all the way up behind where the auto store is, down about a quarter of a mile. It's going to be a fairly large complex, without garages, I understand. Um, (laughs) Without garages. Yeah, without garages, which bothers us because we like to keep the car in the garage. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just finished something right near the library in Clinton, just to use Clinton as an example. That got finished about two years ago. It's probably about 32 units, of which maybe six or eight are affordable housing, and the rest are 11, 1200 square feet and smaller, which are not very large units.
1: Yeah.
0: And then they they also built they built one right next to HealthQuest uh, that's very similar. It's bigger, but they have some garages there, and they're all under 1,200 square foot. I understand where the bubble used to be right next to HealthQuest. was They'd play softball in the winter and things. Um, that collapsed two or three years ago, and that is going to be high-rise, including parking, um, which will be more moderate to upper income. And then across where uh, Costco is, there's two or three multi-unit complexes going up there. And to my understanding, it's all affordable housing to fulfill the affordable housing. So we're seeing affordable housing play its hand out and build some units, but most of the units that are above affordable housing are not being built in any great number other than in multi-family units. And a lot yeah. of those are rental only. Even affordable housing right yeah. now is rental. Yeah. Huh. So we've we've got the job, we've got the people here, we we've got the skills to work from here. Can we bring more people in? Can we move them gradually up? I mean our our next biggest buying from a buyer uh segment or cohort is uh, late, later millennials, the ones that are between 35 and 40, uh, because yeah, they're yeah. now of child-rearing age, and a lot of them have reassessed the situation over the last six months and said we should move and we should raise a family. And uh, that family may only be one or two children compared to what we used to do in days gone by, but this is a logical place, Somerset and Hunting County, for them to be looking at, and we don't have a lot to offer them. What we do have to offer them is rentals versus three quarters of what we built the last two years was rentals and three quarters of what you're looking for is single family, which we don't have. So it's a true mismatch.
1: Yeah. I
0: understand it, it, the uh I
1: understand the feds have changed the rules on the affordable housing business. So that the zoning that. is no longer I'm sorry?
0: I heard that I heard that there was an executive order concerning affordable housing, but I haven't heard how it has affected our local area yet, yeah, yeah, well, these things take a while to drift down, I suppose if at yeah. all yep. yep so so there's there's three components to lifestyle there one is a place to live and one is a place to work, and the third is all the facilities like retail and uh, health and sporting and and uh, things that you need to live off of within five miles of where you live, um I think we've got the third component, okay if anything, we have too many stores based on what's happening to bricks and mortar, but we don't yeah, have you're right. Enough. we don't have enough of the housing, and we definitely probably have more than our share of educated people who don't now have to commute to work each day. And think about that a little bit, Al. I mean, that's an interesting um, equation right there. Is If you drove 30, 40 miles a day each way to work, you either mass commuted or drove it, but you created, you lost a lot of time, and if you drove it, you needed a new car every three years. And while you were driving that car, emissions were going into the air. So three major things have changed that we haven't really digested yet is that now you have more time on your hands, now you have less expenses for things like cars and gasoline, and and, and we're helping the general ecology by not driving. Uh, I think they said for the first time ever, some countries have clear air in the last twenty years because not so many people are driving around the way they used. Um, yeah. I don't know if we're in good shape or bad shape. I think we're we have a really great place in Hunter and Somerset County to live. I think we have a really great place to work from home. I think we have a really great place to go and do your shopping and your your gyms, although I think gyms have really fallen off over the last six months. Um but we don't necessarily have the houses and that's always been the issue.
1: Housing is. Uh, I, I wonder if this will take a while to take effect, but that new construction will be beginning within the next year or so.
0: I don't know. Don't think. Don't think new construction can start till zoning changes, and zoning to some extent is hinged on affordable housing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, is that? Uh, if that order comes down then uh they no longer have to comply with the zoning for affordable housing right. so that that would cause a spurt i would think i don't know i would
0: think too i would think too because Just, uh, if you th- if you think about the affordable housing we're going to build 800 units between within a square mile of route 31 and route 78 crossing we're going to build yeah. 800 units in the next 5 years and yeah. that will be in Clinton and Clinton Township. Each one of those 800 units is going to need one point so many cars because people need to yeah. drive. You don't have public transportation in 100 County, And on top of it, no traffic impact study is done for affordable housing. It's just built, which is sort of silly, but that's the way it's, it's dictated to us. So now we have yeah. 800 to 1,200 more cars in that one small area. And it's a pretty affluent area. It's not inexpensive to go out. To my biggest complaint, living in a Clinton area is we don't have a twenty-dollar restaurant. We can't go to Applebee's, which has two for twenty or two for twenty-four. And you right. know, if you have a drink, that's that's no matter where. But um, here, you can't get two people fed for under fifty bucks. And the people sure. that will be coming into affordable housing is going to need two things: a car, which they may not have and a way, a place to go out to eat, like an Applebee's or a Friday's or uh, any one of a dozen others. I don't know which ones I'm not mentioning because we haven't had the mass market to support it. So to say that in backwards, that many people coming that need that kind of thing, somebody will build it. Build it and they will come. I think they came and now you're going to build it. Um, right. But Flemington, Flemington is funny. If you want to drive 12 miles down to Flemington, there's Fridays, and there's Applebee's, and there's all sorts of uh, new places to eat down there. There's a new uh, Chimney Rock Inn. Um, yeah, 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 there
1: are. Flemington seems to be immune, it yeah. seems. I've run across, uh, I don't know, four or five new businesses that have opened up in uh, Flemington, small Businesses that have opened up in that area, which in the in the, uh, some of them during the pandemic, for goodness sakes, I, if I were wow. a business person, I wouldn't be opening during the middle of a pandemic. But they do, so they must see something
0: that I don't. I think it's the numbers, and they will the need employees. Numbers. You know, yes, they will need, and and that is a sore point because. Forgetting, I keep hearing somebody, some faction of the government running for office saying, and we want $15 minimum hour. Forget it. Yeah. We've been paying $15 minimum hour in Hunterdon County for the last two years. We're now paying 17 and $18 because there's no people left. There's so, no people yeah. left to uh, take any price, yeah. Right. Yep. The I, I, I you ever, uh, you ever, The other thing we've had going is that the kids typically around the middle of August all go back to college, and to some extent this year they did. I would say maybe 25% of them did, but um, my son-in-law's girlfriend is an admissions person down at Rider, and she said, of our 2,000 students, there's about 800 or 900 on campus right now. And I said, are they going to classes? She says, no, they're all doing it remotely. I said, then why are they there? And she said, Why are they quite there? <laughs> yeah, the the answer the answer was that's the only college experience they're going to get as far as you know going somewhere away from home. And in some cases, yeah. they can't stay at home anymore. They have, people are on each other's cases all day long. They just want to be separated from mom and dad. Mom and dad are glad sure. to pay for them to be somewhere remote.
1: Yeah, yeah. Remote <laughs> learning.
0: Remote learning, if you were going to pay $65,000, including room and board, for your children to go to school, would you do that if they were going to go to school and sit on the computer and not go to class? I wouldn't, but I'm thinking. No, I wouldn't do that at all. Absolutely not. I, I I would say take some of the courses locally that are inexpensive. Go to RVCC online locally. And yeah. when college, when you can go to class, then go back, and you might only have to go for three years instead of four. Yeah,
1: exactly. You can transfer in.
0: Well, it's been interesting to talk to you. It's good to hear that you're healthy and things are going okay for well, it's you. it's good to talk to you, Joe. I, we haven't
1: talked in some time. I've, uh, yeah. I'll follow you on uh on your, you send me a, a, a an email every month on the status of things, and I read it from cover
0: to cover, and learn oh, a lot. Wow! wow. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I guess my credentials are I'm a I'm a real estate agent with Coldwell Banker. I've been selling for 20 years across 100 and in Somerset. And my site is jpeters.com. And Al yeah. is a writer for The Democrat and now for NJ.com. And his byline is Al War, W A R R. Um, and you can find his articles there. And I'll put both of these in the blog post that I create from this podcast. But I think it's what good. we should Thank do you. is maybe schedule this every two to three months because it keeps changing. And I've learned a lot from you today, and I sense it went in two directions. So. Um, it anything it I, did,
1: yeah, absolutely. It's good to talk to you always to
0: uh, get a sense of what's going on out there. Okay, thanks a lot. I'll uh, put you on my calendar for two or three months out. We'll repeat this process, Al. Good. Look forward to it. Okay. Once again, that was Al, A-L, War, W-A-R-R, who is a contributing columnist with NJ.com, as well as the Hunter and Democrat. My name is Joe Peters. I'm with Coldwell Banker Residential. You can reach me at 908-238-0118 or at my site, jpeters.com.
2: One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker sales associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his client's best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up. Joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective. Initially, he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own. Then, he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points. And finally, he controls the entire process through technology and marketing. The end result to you is a smooth, rewarding customer experience. Let Joe show you how to take his professional expertise and put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 238-0118 or text to 908-304-4660.